Well, good morning. As we think about elevating Jesus in our city, in this city of Jacksonville, I do want you to know that, that we really do see Alpha as a powerful tool that God is using all across the globe. And we are preparing to share Alpha again in the fall. And so as you think about folks who are thinking through the question of who is Jesus, that, that you might invite them and participate in an Alpha course with them. It, it is so simple. I love what, what he says there, that it's just what community, food, the gospel, and the power of the Holy Spirit at work. And so I want to invite you to really be aware of how you might include and invite someone to share in, in that. I don't know if you called it at the very beginning. I love what he said. He said, the church is not just people. It's people in a place. And so the power of that is that we really have a unique role as the people of God in this city to elevate Jesus in our city. That he is raising up people, a people for himself, the scripture says, all over the globe. And it's the privilege to be wherever God has placed us to say, we're going to live lives in such a way that Jesus gets lifted up in this city. So we are looking in the Gospel of Mark at the triumphal entry. And you realize this is unusual because normally we think the triumphal entry is something that we read about on Palm Sunday. In fact, it drives my wife crazy when we don't do the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. Every time afterwards, we should have done the triumphal entry. It was Palm Sunday. So we are. We're just a little late this year. We're going to do the triumphal entry. But... Not because it's just a religious day. I, I am so captivated by the triumphal entry with fresh heart because it has just shown me how powerful it is to be a people who lift up Jesus for their city. So that the people function, the people acted in such a way that all of Jerusalem was buzzing about who is this Jesus? And what would it mean for you to live in such a way that the people at work would be buzzing? Who is this Jesus? The people on your street, who is this Jesus? Your family members, who is this Jesus? See, is that possible? Or have we given up that we can't make a difference? Because they functioned, they acted in a way that had a city a buzz about Jesus. Why can't we do that? Well, there's... There's a preparation to that, a mindset that we looked at last week, if you weren't here. We looked at the first six verses. So if you have Mark 11, if you have a Bible with you, look at those with me. We're going to review the first six verses. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up here. But we captured something powerful about who God is and how God works from these six verses last week. It says, as they, that is Jesus and his 12 disciples approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives. So they're near Jerusalem. He sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite you. And immediately as you enter it, you're going to find a colt tied there on which no one yet has ever sat. I want you to untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. So Jesus tells them what to do and everything that's going to happen as they go to do it. So verse 4, 
shows it happening. They went away, and what'd they find? A colt tied at the door. So what'd they do? They untied it. Why'd they untie it? Because Jesus told them to untie it. So they find the colt, they untie it, and guess what happens? Well, people say, hey, what are you doing untying the colt? Just like Jesus said they were going to say. And so what do they say? They say to them what Jesus told them to say. The Lord has need of it. They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them. And what happened? They were given permission. You see, we, we talked about last week that what occurs here is just a, another reminder of the sovereign rule of our God and life. With this, I hope you captured. What was the difference between that day and the sovereign rule of God and today? Not last week, now today. What's the difference? The only difference is they got on that day a preview of what was going to unfold that day. And probably none of us got a preview of what was going to unfold today. We, we weren't told. Is God any less in control of how this day unfolds than he was that day? No. It's just we don't know. We haven't been told what's going to happen, so we can't look back and go, look, it happened just like he said it was going to happen. The sovereign rule of God is as powerful today as it was on that day in preparing for the triumphal entry. God is at work. And so as we talked about this passage last week in our family group, here were the two words, joyful and inspired. We said the sovereign rule of God inspires us with that joyful, divine expectancy that every moment of every day is a purposeful part of God's unfailing and unfolding redemptive story. Now, that's quite a statement. But friends, if we would capture that right there, if we would go, whoa, really? Every moment of every day is actually purposeful in what God is unfolding and will not fail in his redemptive story, then it matters. Everything matters. I get up this morning. Who you talk to today matters. Where you go to eat today matters. How you respond to people who say stuff to you, it matters today. God is using every moment of every day. And that, folks, that just changes how I engage life in the simplest ways. So I'm driving in this morning, Hartley Road, right down here. And there's a long string of 14 geese crossing the road. And I, I've already confessed to you my problem with the people getting in my way. And I was like, seriously? And they're like, and, and they're, it's longer than they're back into the bushes. And I see there's a gap. And I think, what if I got to shoot through there? But somebody's already waiting. And I think if I hit one, that's going to be ugly. So I'm like, and then literally, it's like the Lord says, even the geese stuck. Oh, yeah. Why so uptight? Just, Lord, these, these geese aren't functioning outside of your sovereignty. Just rest that God is at work. And you know what happened? They passed, and as they were passing, this guy came up and knocked on my window and said, how do I trust Jesus? No, I'm, no, I'm just... <laughs> really? 
Wow! See, if that happens, then you go, see, God is sovereign. He is sovereign whether the person knocks on my window or not. Most times we just don't know it. We don't get the preview. We don't get the advance. Here's how it mattered in eternity. But I 100% believe from geese to waitresses to what happens at your work tomorrow, God has an unfailing, unfolding redemptive story and every moment as a purposeful part. So be inspired to joyfully engage in every moment, every conversation. It's phenomenal. That, that's just, they just got a preview and it encourages me, man, every moment matters. So the, the story unfolds like this then. So they bring the cult to Jesus and they put their coats on it, and he sat on it, and then many spread their coats. So if the coats weren't on the colt, then they spread it on the road, and others spread leafy branches. This is the picture of the triumphal infantry that we all recreate sometimes on Palm Sunday, which they had cut from the fields. And those who went in front and those who followed were shouting. And what are they shouting? Hosanna, blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Now that sounds all very churchy. So let's make it much more real. Two words repeated twice in what they're saying. What are they? Hosanna first and last, and then twice, blessed. What are they saying? They are saying, shouting on this one who is sitting on a cult which has never been. They are shouting, blessed is he, blessed is he. But they are communicating to a city. This guy is a blessing. And all the city is a buzz as they simply declare that Jesus is a blessing to the city he enters. See, when Jacksonville, to the degree that Jesus gets lifted up in this city, and this city experiences Jesus, this city is blessed. Can I ask you, is that what people are capturing by the way you live, by the way you, by the way you worship? It, even this morning, when you think about just your last 30 minutes in this room or over in South, did you engage in a way that if someone was visiting with us, and they are, the visitors would this morning go, man, they believe Jesus is a blessing. Because sometimes, sometimes we engage in worship like Americans engage in the World Cup. How does the rest of the world engage in the World Cup? They sing and they dance and, and these complete strangers are waving and they got these songs that they sing. I mean, it's their life. It's, it's, it's their life. Uruguay, it shuts down. And, and then when they beat Portugal, I mean, they sing and dance. And you believe Jesus is a life? Uh-huh. Amen. Sometimes it's an indictment, folks. 
We, we need to look at the mirror of our worship and go, do our mouths and our bodies demonstrate we believe Jesus is a blessing in this city? Jesus, bless my life. How? How? Why are they saying blessed? Why are they? See, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. If, if, if we had had somebody out there in the courtyard this morning going, Hosanna, 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 you would have thought, what? Is, it, is that their child and he's lost? <laughs> what are they saying when they're shouting Hosanna? They're shouting, Savior. See, the, the guy riding in, they're shouting in front behind him, Savior, Savior. And in reality, uh, they're thinking too small. And we usually do as well. They're thinking Savior for Israel in that moment. But he's a lot more than that. Prophet Isaiah said, hey, it's way too small thing just for Israel in that moment. That he is Savior of our souls. He is the savior of those who have been dead in their sins, of all people of all time. He is redeemer, savior, savior. See, that's something to sing and dance about. That's something to lift your voice and not just stand there stoically this morning. What are we telling our city about Jesus, even by the way we worship when we're together. This is a picture for us. Don't miss it. We could use a little bit of the world, world Cup in us. Because we got something a lot better than football as our life. Christ also died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust. Why? It might bring us back to God. In other words, we were far from God. And we were doomed for eternal separation from God. We were doomed for hell. We were doomed for a life that did not matter, that could not find peace, that there would not be joy. That's where we were headed, and Christ died for us so that we who were separated from him and relationship of, as God had intended life to be was shattered. We've been restored. So your life matters and you have an opportunity to engage in life eternal. That is something to shout about. Not just stand with our hands in our pockets, waiting till we can sit down and listen to somebody yakety yak, yak, yak. What are we saying to our city about our Savior? Do we believe He's Savior, but He's a blessing? And it's, it's more than that. He's not only Savior. When they're laying down the coast, when they're laying down the branches, they're saying, hey, this is a king. He is a conquering king. He is Savior, but he is king. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. And he has conquered Satan. Put your coat for him to walk over. You capture that, folks? I mean, this is, this is their party. This is their joy expressed with Jesus. And he gets lifted up in that city by their expressive joy. We could use some encouragement that way. There would be expressive joy. Do you have a reason? Yes. Go! 
Have you ever heard that guy? He goes, no. Yeah, that's expressive. See, it's, it's, their, it's their version of, man, this is, it doesn't get any better than this. We need a little more of that. Because Jesus is a blessing to this city. Jesus is a blessing to your family. Jesus is a blessing in your life. Savior, conquering king. We were slave to sin, and he saved us from it. We had the certainty of the sting of death, and he took it away. We have everything to shout about. We have everything to rejoice in. And how we declare that and how we engage in that says something to our city. It says something to our city when they wander in here and go, hey, what's church? Uh, uh, just stand and sing some songs. We could use some help on this. Some reality of the blessing. So here's, here's how it gets even better. Jesus is a blessing to our city because he has redeemed us. He has not only allowed us to enter into eternal life, but there's more. Watch. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Everything that condemned sin and death and Satan, no condemnation. Completely completely free. Free because I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? Christ lives in me. That that changes everything. I've just not had my eternity changed. My identity has been changed. I have died and Christ lives in me. Jesus has wrapped himself in my humanity. And so now the life that I live, I live differently. I live now by faith in him. Watch. The one who is a blessing to the city now lives in me. Oh, so the church is not just a people. It's a people in a place. So that wherever that place is that I go as the people of God, because Christ now lives in me and he is a blessing, wherever I go, I ought to be a a blessing. That when you go home today, when I go home today, that I would bless my family. That they would be glad I'm there. Anybody on your street glad you live there? Do you bless your street? Are you a blessing because you died, but Christ now lives in you, and Jesus is the blessing because he is Savior and conqueror, and he lives in you. And so when you go home and when you function on your street and when you go to work tomorrow, they're gone. man, I am so glad that person works here. They're a blessing. They bring life. They bring meaning. They bring purpose. Because he who is that lives in them. See, the the triumphal entry is an event that we usually look back on, but I want us to see it so much more. I want us to see that the Jesus who was a blessing as he was lifted up in that city now dwells within us so that wherever we would go in this city, we bless people. 
that the, that the waiter or waitress who serves you lunch today is glad they got you at your table. They're going, ah, this person, refreshing life. You ever think that? You ever walk away and go, are they glad I came or wish, oh no. And that's the incredible privilege that Jesus would live within us so that wherever we would go, whoever we'd work with tomorrow, they would go, man, you're a blessing because Jesus is a blessing into a city and now dwells within his people, then we get the privilege of being a blessing to our city. And it's not complicated. It's not at all. It's just, it's just this simple. What did Jesus do? That wherever he went, people were like, wow. And why don't we do that? So what did Jesus do that made him a blessing that will cause us to be a blessing? Very simple. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place, and was reading the newspaper. Got up early to catch up on the news. No. He got up early to do what? To pray. This is not complicated, but super, super important. You want to become a blessing to your family, a blessing to your work, a blessing to your street, a blessing to, to wherever you go because the church is the people, but a place... You want to be a blessing? Then simply do what Jesus did. Just begin each day with prayer. Just begin with prayer. That's the, that's the first step. to buy. Just begin with prayer. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to get up 30 minutes to pray. Because if you get up an hour earlier tomorrow morning to pray, you're going to fall asleep. You know, there's not maturity measured in how long you pray. I'm simply saying that tomorrow morning, if when as soon as you rolled out of bed, or even maybe if before, if, not before, as you open your eyes, you would say, Lord, I want to begin today telling you just one thing. I'm available today. I want to be attentive. Help me be courageous. Those three things. You don't have to set the alarm any earlier to do that. Lord, I'm available today. I want to be attentive because I believe that your sovereign rule makes every moment of today meaningful and important on the unfailing and unfolding eternal purpose of redemption. So I want to be available today and I want to be attentive. Help me to be courageous because, Lord, I confess, sometimes I see it and then I shrink back. I chicken out. Can you pray those things tomorrow? What are they? Available, attentive, courageous. It doesn't have to be long. Just say, Lord, that's how I want to begin. What happens is, is we align our hearts with God in that moment. We're saying, Lord, I know you're up to that. This is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it because I get to play a part and it matters. Available, attentive, courageous. And then pray for the people that God has placed in your life. All of them. No, don't do that. Can I just confess to you? Sometimes we don't pray for anybody because we feel bad that we can't pray for everybody. You ever started a prayer list and then it just kind of like ate you up? And it's like, oh, I don't want to look at that anymore because it's like, <laughs> oh, Lord, bless them all. Because there is, there's, 
There's a rule in the Bible that if you add a person to your prayer list, you may never delete them. It says it, you're alive, four or five. Thou shalt not delete from prayer list. But that's, oh, there's no you're alive, by the way. Would you feel that? I feel that way sometimes. Oh. Will you pray for me? Oh, no, don't ask me that. How about this? How about tomorrow morning you go, Lord, I want to be available, attentive, and courageous. And Lord, and then think of one or two people that God seems to be placing into your life. Or maybe the person you don't know. And Lord, I'm not sure who's going to be today. But I pray that you'd be working in their heart as you're working in mine. There'd be that divine moment. Maybe pray for a family member that it seems like God's or a coworker, someone down the street that you've been cultivating a relationship with. Don't get caught in that because I can't pray for everyone. I don't pray for anyone. Don't get caught there. Don't get caught with I can't add anybody else to the list because I'm not allowed to delete anybody from the list. Let life be much more real and organic than that. Just say, Lord, this is what... So what's going on right now? This is people you've placed in my path right now, and I don't want to miss it. So available, attentive, courageous. Pray for one or two folks. Got up early, prayed. That's how Jesus did it. Want to be a blessing? That's what we do. And then after we talk to God, notice what Jesus did twice in the last chapter in Mark. What do you want me to do for you? He said that both times. What do you want me to do for? In this occasion, to the blind man, Roberta, I want to regain my sight. Now, here's what's cool. To that man, he restored his sight. In the same chapter, he said to his disciples, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want to sit in your right and left. And Jesus said, uh, that one's not my deal. That's the father's. So be careful here. I'm about to ask you a question. What is Jesus promising when he asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Is he promising to do whatever you say? No. What's he promising to do? Yes. So simple. So much like Jesus. So powerful. Begin with prayer and then be committed to listening to people. Did you hear the, the, the guy in the Alpha video? One of the most powerful ways that we communicate love is that we allow people to be heard. So four of us are in Chicago this week for a couple days, and we flew in out really early Tuesday morning, and it was late Tuesday, and we had met in the lobby after 7 o'clock, had not had dinner yet, and we had met in the lobby where we didn't have a car, so we were looking for a place to walk, and it was pouring rain. We're like trying to decide what we'd do. So a guy walks up who, very friendly guy, starts talking. And then talks and keeps talking and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. I was like, wow, this guy has never not known what to say. He could just talk, 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 talk. And at one point I was like, have you eaten? What was I saying? We need to eat. Come on, take a hint here. Have you eaten? Oh, yeah. Hey, no. He's just running right back to talking. I'm serious. It was at least 30 minutes he was talking. And then he goes, so what about y'all? What's happening in your church? 
And we were so out of it that we, we didn't quite, weren't ready to answer a question because there had been none. That we paused and we missed our moment. So what's happened with y'all? Oh, let me tell you a funny story. And he was right back at it. And he kept going on and on and on. I was like, seriously, dude. Finally, it stops raining. And we're like, okay, we got to go. The next morning, I walk into the conference and I see him in the lobby. You know what I thought? Oh, no. Don't let him see me. Is that what people think about us? Oh, no. There's the Christian who has all the answers. He just always has something he wants to tell me. Ever wonder, people think, oh, no, when they see you? Actually, I don't think anybody thinks, oh, no, about a good listener. We've heard it said, Two, one. We'll be listening far, far more than what we're talking. It's not, you think, well, that's not very much like Jesus. Absolutely, it's, it's a whole lot like Jesus. It's a good lesson. You want to bless people and begin with talk to God and listen to people. Talk to God, listen to people. And now this one's like super, super spiritual. Eat with people. That's like, you're thinking, oh, if that's what it means to be like Jesus, jeez, I'd have done this a long time ago. Eat with people. Why? Why? Don't don't miss it. Why? That's what, that's what Jesus did. And it hacked people off. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man, speaking of Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. That's terrible. See, there's something powerful about eating that sometimes we miss. When we eat with someone, what are we doing? What was Jesus doing here that caused them to grumble? Yes, he was eating, but by eating with them, what was he doing? He was identifying himself with them. You, You follow that? When you eat with somebody, you've done it. You've walked into a restaurant. You've seen somebody you know, eating with somebody you didn't know. And you went, oh, I didn't know they knew one another. Oh, I didn't know they were together. And so when you eat with someone, you identify with them. When we lived off of Greenland Road, we had a couple from Colorado move in beside us. And we said, we want to try and get, no, went out to dinner with them. Where, when uh, Cha-Cha's was Mexican restaurant off of Bay Meadows. So we, the four of us drive together. We get there. I slide in, his wife slides in, and, and, and then Jackie goes, oh, I need to use the restroom. So she walks away from the table. And then he goes, her husband goes, oh, I need to as well. And suddenly, at a restaurant on a Friday night on Bay Meadows, I'm having dinner with my neighbor's wife. <laughs> Seriously, I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, please do not allow anyone from CFC to walk in right now. Because I'm committed. If I see anybody that I know, Jackie's at the bathroom. (laughs) Because if you walk in and you go, blonde, not Jackie, Friday night, what do you think? 
Who's he eating? Yeah, you're, you're going, you're identifying me with that person. It, it's, it's profoundly powerful to share a meal because something happens there. They thought it was inappropriate. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't take my neighbor's wives out to dinner. That, that wouldn't be a good plan. But to eat with folks who don't yet love God, love Jesus in this city, some church people grumble about that. But that's what Jesus did. And sometimes we, we are so committed to having lunch with our friends from church and hanging out with our friends from church on Friday night at dinner, we never actually identify with those who don't love Jesus yet by having a meal with them. And what if somebody you work with has a really bad reputation at work? What are people going to think about you if you eat lunch with them? I didn't think they'd hang out together. Jesus, that's exactly what he did. He took the heat. He knew it wouldn't be, uh, that it would be frowned upon, that it would get attacked. He identified with for this reason. I want to show you one more passage, Jesus eating with people, because he meets Matthew. Remember the tax collector? A guy named Matthew, and he says, Matthew, come and follow me. And, And Matthew gets up and follows Jesus. And so Matthew was like, I want you to Jesus. I want you to come to my house and bring your buddies. So Jesus and his disciples are, ha- are having dinner at Matthew's house. But it changes. It happened that as Jesus was reclining the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. So they're all there. And then the other part of Matthew's life shows up. And now there's like this party of Jesus and a whole bunch of people who aren't normally with Jesus. And once again, the Pharisees saw this. They said, why is your teacher eating with these people? Why is he identifying with them? And Jesus answers, and we got to hear this. He goes, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician. Those who are sick. Why is it that all the healthy people are always hanging out with the Healthy people. And now listen. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. See, the powerful reality is if you will do what Jesus did and begin to say, I know you don't, they don't love Jesus yet. I know they're living a lifestyle that's different than what a Jesus follower would live. But I'm going to share a meal with them. And as I share a meal with them, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell them everything they need to know. No, what am I going to do? I'm going to begin with prayer, and then I'm going to listen. And you know what will happen as you begin to hear about people's stories, their present, their past? What's going to happen? Compassion. I'm afraid to say the truth. No, I'm not afraid to say. I'm afraid the truth that we have missed is this. Our hearts aren't broken for the lost people that live on our street 
because we never took enough time to get to know them because if we would have, we'd have compassion for their story. Suddenly we'd have a sense of what Jesus had with the people he ate with. But because we don't begin with prayer, or we often don't, or our prayer is, Lord, bless me and my family, instead of, Lord, I'm available, attentive, help me be courageous today, to enter in and not miss whatever you're doing and your unfolding purpose. We live in our own holy huddles. If we would get out of that, and we would say, I'm just going to simply do the very basics of what Jesus did. And I listen to people, and I'm going to eat with people. Then our hearts would become like Jesus towards lost folks. So, so it's, not, it's not, oh, we don't care. It's we don't know enough to care. Because if we knew, I think we'd care. I've seen your compassion. I've seen how you care for one another, and you care for one another because you took enough minutes to learn to listen to one another and go, I can help. I want to minister. I can serve. Because we fill our calendars with church people and our lunches with church people and our breakfasts with church people and our weekends to relax and just be able to kick up our feet with church people, then our hearts never get to the place of compassion because our ears didn't get engaged. You, You hear my heart, folks? This is not this is not rocket science. Hear what we've said? We bless our city by beginning with prayer, listening, and eating. You do not have to be the Apostle Paul to do that jump. It's really simple, simple stuff. And sometimes it's just one text away. Oh, sure. That's weird. It's an invitation. We talk about it, we talk about it, we talk about it, talk about it. When we have compassion, now we can serve because we were available and we listened and we gave them minutes to listen. Now we know how we can genuinely serve people. We don't need random acts of kindness. We can have actually heard and do what's meaningful to people. We've genuinely Say, hey, how can I pray for you? Friday night, John Pooley, my waiter. How can I pray for you? Pray for my son. Just, oh. Now you could tell me a little bit of his story in the midst of, didn't take him long. But he's a real guy with a real story. In our community. We can serve. Jesus said, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, the reality is every single one of us have a story to tell. And if we're going to bless, watch this. This is why, why hopefully, it's so easy to remember. If we're going to bless this city, we're going to begin with prayer. We're going to listen. We're going to eat. We're going to serve. And we're going to share our story. And simply share our story. And that doesn't have to be complicated. Ginger, if you'd come up here. Ginger 
I've been so blessed by her because a couple, well, maybe a couple months ago now, she just simply shared with me something that she had learned about sharing her story that has been pretty significantly changing for her. I wanted her to share it with you. Awesome. Good morning. I'm excited to be here with you. Just share briefly about this tool that someone shared with me on how to share my story here in Jacksonville. So I grew up in the church, grew up here at Christian Family Chapel, placed faith in Jesus when I was a young child. But as I grew in my relationship with the Lord, began to understand just a greater understanding of his love for the lost and his desire to use us as his ambassadors to share the gospel with people around us. Um, And I did that in a way that I felt was right at the time of inviting people to come to church and to hear more, inviting people to study the Bible with me, um, engaging with lost people. But it was more of I built a lot of friendships with lost people. But when it came time to actually get into deep uh, conversations about Jesus, I was, "Eh, how do I get this conversation to go um, and talk about Jesus? And so I went to a training here in Jacksonville a few months ago. Um, And at this training, they were just talking about how people are no longer coming to church or not wanting to come to church anymore. About 60% of the population is uninvitable to church. But 71% of those 60% uh, are interested in knowing more about Jesus. And so they're no longer coming here to learn about Jesus, but we really have um, just a task to go out and share with people that we come in contact with. Um, Through circumstances, again, just God burdening my heart to share with people that I come in contact with every day and an understanding of God's sovereignty that every moment matters, every conversation matters, every person matters. And so at this training, they shared this um, tool. It's called a one-minute story, and it was basically um, how to share your story in one minute. So it takes your personal testimony, and and it shares the simple gospel presentation and an invitation at the end for them to share their story with you. And so an example of my one-minute story is there was a time in my life when I was discontent and searching for belonging. Tell us when you did it recently, and then tell them what you said. Okay, so (laughs) um, there's been, basically, as I've gone out, God has just uh, placed people on my path along the way to share with. So just this past Friday, actually was going to get a Starbucks and someone backed into my car and yeah, so fun. Um, not what I had planned for the day. Um, but as we were sitting there, uh, we were both kind of in our own cars, just sitting there. And I was like, you know what, God, like, give me the opportunity to share with this person, my story. And so engaged in conversation with this guy, um, shared, Hey, there was a time in my life where, um, I was discontent and searching for belonging. Um, I was looking for belonging in different things of this world, but I came to understand that God loved me so much that um, he desired to be the thing that satisfied my heart. And so uh, he loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth, that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross as a punishment for my sins so that I could be in a relationship with God and have that satisfaction, that he was buried rose again three days later, and that he was um, given all authority and made king over everything. And I shared to this guy that, hey, my life has not been perfect since placing faith in Jesus, but that um, definitely I have had peace in the midst of hardship and suffering, knowing that I belong to God, knowing that he does satisfy 
desires in my heart and that he has a purpose for me. And then I asked the guy, so what about you? Do you have a story like that? Um, and just he shared his story. He, he was a follower of Jesus, but he is actually new to Jacksonville and was searching for a church. And so I told him about Christian Family Chapel, and hopefully he will come and be a part of this body here. Um, but really just opportunity to share the grocery store. I've not found one person who has said um, no to me asking, hey, can I share my one minute story with you? Um, I've really not had one person say no to one minute um, listening to that. So grocery store at the gym in conversation with neighbors as I'm walking around the neighborhood. And so it's just a simple tool, again, that has um, enabled me to share more. People. So I, she's not talking principle. This is what I wanted. I said, tell a story because you literally have been walking in your neighborhood and just said, hey, can I tell you my one minute story? And, and they didn't go. No, no. They're like, sure. And they listen. And it's a, again, the listening. So sometimes I'll start, hey, can I pray for you? So starting with listening to their story and then uh-huh. connecting my story to that. And then sometimes if they're not uh, sometimes it just depends, but I'll say, yeah. hey, can I share my one-minute story with you? And I share, but then give the invitation for, hey, will you share your story with me? And, and the grocery, then, checking out? Cashier? Checking out, checking out in the grocery store. Can I share my one-minute story? Yes. So, I was so captivated because we usually think, oh, it's got to be more exotic than that. And what Ginger just shared that captured me was, it's, it doesn't have to be a big deal. The Lord may take it somewhere beyond what I anticipated. It may not. It may be a believer. I don't have to already know, okay, they're going to hell, so now I need to tell my one-minute story. Who knows? Because you've had folks who you shared your one-minute story with, and they were believers, and they were encouraged. You've trained somebody else to do it who you shared it with them. I have. I shared it with the lady in my neighborhood, and she's like, hey, that's amazing. Can you teach me how to do that one-minute story so I can share with the people, and she's been working in a prison ministry and said she's been sharing it and how it's so easy to connect in a one-minute context with people that she's um, ministering to. See, isn't that awesome? I I think that's awesome. Thanks a lot, Ginger. I appreciate that. (laughs) So Sunday, July 15th, 11 o'clock, it cost you an hour, but an hour that could lead to how many one-minute opportunities in the years ahead where you would go, I'm going to simply think through because your one minute story is going to be different than Ginger's is going to be different than mine. But a one minute story that simply it has at the core, the simple truth of the gospel, but it has it lived out in your life that you would learn to do that. You could do that for one hour to learn how to do it and then practice it with one another and it'll feel awkward, right? Feel awkward. Yes, it'll feel awkward at first. And then it will be come much more natural. So that, that's an opportunity I hope you will take advantage of. Because it is part of blessing this city. The church is a people and a place. What's that place for us? Jacksonville. That, that's that, that's in, in your street your workplace, your school, your family. He has blessed us. Let's begin with prayer. Listen. Eat with some people. Let our heart be broken with compassion that we would serve and then share our story. Thanks for being here. If, if we can pray with you in any way, let me invite you 
to come by our prayer. If you're a guest this morning, we'd love to greet you at the guest reception. God bless. Have a great day.